Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. This is the Goddess Morning Show, and I am your host, Shannon. It is Monday, April 13th, 2020, and we're starting the day out with a reflect and nourish your spirit with 26 journal prompts for navigating the COVID-19 pandemic. This article was written on April 8th of 2020, and it says many of us around the world are dealing with the physical, emotional, and financial challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's obvious that we're learning huge collective lessons from this crisis, but we're experiencing powerful personal takeaways too. Journaling is a great exercise for reflection and fostering gratitude, Looking for silver linings in difficult times doesn't minimize the suffering, but rather makes it more bearable. These prompts can help inspire that, and they certainly don't need to work with all of them at once. If you're a big journal person, simply sit with this list for a minute or two and see what answers come intuitively. If you're sheltering in place or your normal routine has been disrupted, Try sitting with one prompt each morning or evening as a meditative practice. Grab your notebook and get cra- get crazy. Go co- get cozy, go crazy. Have any silver linings, even if they are faint, started to present themselves regarding this crisis. That's journal prompt number 1. Number 2, how has the crisis forced me to develop new healthy habits? Number 3, Has this crisis made me aware of any self-sabotaging habits I need to shift or heal or given me clarity about what's not working in my life? Number four, what's one thing that's new that's come out of this crisis that I want to keep in my life even after the crisis is over? The next one is, has this crisis gotten me in touch with some new parts of myself or parts of myself I'd forgotten? like the inner artist, warrior, student, environmentalist, activist, athlete, or healer. If I get in touch with my intuition and wise higher self, what advice does my soul give me as far as silver linings to watch out for? If you're looking for more exercises to help develop your intuition in the first place, there are quite a few in a book that this author wrote called Angel Intuition. All right, the next 
prompt is when I look back on this time, what are things I'll feel proud about regarding the way I handled this challenging season? The next one is, in what ways has this difficult time forced me to step up to the plate or rise to the occasion digging deeper than I knew I could? The next one is, how has this crisis taught me to be more careful with my resources, whether they are physical, emotional, energetic, or financial? Has this crisis forced me to improve my self-care in small or big ways? How has this crisis asked me to take better care of others or the planet? Is there something I've had to sacrifice so something of greater value could be born? What past wounds or traumas have been triggered by the current crisis and how might I meet them now with a new level of healing? In the past, when I experienced a crisis, what are some healthy and unhealthy ways I coped? How am I activating my inner survivor and inner resilience in nourishing and productive ways? In which ways have I remained compassionate and giving to others despite finding myself in a stressful situation? During this crisis, what are some of the new useful ways to comfort and support myself that have emerged? Have any relationships begun, experienced healing, or been strengthened by the crisis? Has my outlook on anything in particular become more positive? What are some little things I used to stress about that I now realize are not so important? How have I found ways to be both tough and gentle right now? What goals and dreams have this crisis motivated me to prioritize? How have I stayed connected to my faith or spirituality during this time? Have I found myself consistently grateful for something during this difficult season, even if it's little? When am I disappointed in the way I handle something or react? How can I practice more radical self-love? Have I experienced any grace moments or many miracles during this crisis, whether it's supportive people or resources that have shown up? Whenever you experience a crisis, seek out those silver linings and allow them to feed your spirit and sustain you through difficult times. All right, our next article is how to limit your news consumption while staying informed from an integrative MD. And this article was written on April 7th, 2020. It says, with the world in a state of uncertainty, gathering information in one way to feel in control, but overconsuming the news, especially bad news, may not be doing your mental state any favors. So how can you limit news intake while staying informed? We reached out to integrative medicine physician at Harvard Medical School, Aditi Nakurakar, MD, who explains why people are so compelled to read the news right now, as well as her top tips for limiting COVID-19 news consumption. So why are you drawn to the news in crisis? Self-preservation, otherwise known as the fight-or-flight response, is a natural biological process. As humans, we need to be informed in order to protect ourselves, Narukar says. This is why, even when the news is negative, we often feel compelled to read it. 
Staying up to date is important, but when you've started looking at the news for three or more hours per day, it becomes maladaptive, meaning that what started out being as beneficial suddenly becomes harmful. Think of it like exercise, Narukar says. It's good for you, right? But if you do it for hours on end, it becomes unhealthy. Right now, you're probably already in heightened states of stress, according to Narukar. Therefore, consuming COVID-19 news and access, whatever your definition of that is, will only heighten your stress response. Keeping your media use in check helps you to keep your stress in check, she says. If people are engaging in the news for three to five hours right now, their mental health is probably not optimized. So how can you limit your news intake effectively? You have to parent yourself the same way you would restrict access to excess screen time for a child. While there is no right amount to spend consuming the news, one hour per day is generally reasonable, but not all in one sitting. To help break up your news consumption, Nurukar recommends two different techniques. One is time-based and the other is source-based. So with a time-based approach to practice that, you set a timer on the phone every time you sit down to read or watch the news. Choose a certain amount of time, whether it's 20 minutes three times per day or 15 minutes four times per day, and stick with it. Again, this requires parenting yourself, she says. It's got to be a hard stop when the timer goes off. The source-based is practiced by choosing two platforms you want to read and stick with those. Don't stray to other outlets. This is usually best practiced with written media since TV can be difficult to shut off. This is harder in times like this when you really want to be aware what's going on in the world, Narukar says. In order to get varied sources on information right now, time-based limitations might be more actionable. Other ways to reduce your media intake include removing your phone from your nightstand, don't sleep with any devices in your room, Nurukar says. Put it in the bathroom or the living room so you're not tempted to read the news as soon as you wake up. Then start your day with something relaxing like a stretch, a meditation, or take time to make breakfast. Or removing your phone from your workspace. Creating a physical separation from your source of news can be helpful, she says. Reading the news in the early evening, never before bed. Having enough time to do something relaxing after you read the news can help calm your stress response. Exercise, do yoga, or read a book. While the news is incredibly valuable, reading too much of it in stressful times can affect physical and mental health, which is exactly what we want to protect right now. There are many ways you can protect our health right now, talking with friends about something other than the pandemic, laughing, exercising, Narukar says, and add to that limiting, not cutting off news exposure. All right, our next article is Hadrian's Garden, Apollo and the Plague, written by Adrian Marcus on April 6th of this year. And it says, my altar in quarantine. My altar is ever-changing an ever-changing entity in my house. I can rearrange it frequently to keep it consistent with the growth of my practice, so objects and idols have come and gone over the years. Some pieces are passed on to friends, but usually I do not currently find meaningful are packed away in a box. I recently moved, so I had the chance to start from scratch. 
One of the items I found in my storage box was a small marble statue of Apollo with a gilded harp. This piece is a very nice reproduction of a genuine ancient Greek artifact, and I purchased it because Apollo's association with the sun and the arts. However, a conversation I recently had with a friend about COVID-19 reminds me of one of the lesser known aspects of Apollo. He is the god of plague. Apollo had several epithets in ancient mythology associated with this trait, such as Apollo Acestor, which means healer, or Apollo Medicus, which means physician. He is the god who delivers people from disease and plague, but he is also Apollo Parnopius, which means locust, who casts epidemics on people who displease him. In myth, this is portrayed as Apollo Parnopius losing an arrow into a city to start an epidemic. With this in mind, it seems that this statue, which I had not felt particularly connected to for a while, needed to be placed on my altar. In the ancient Mediterranean people made offerings to Apollo to ask for healing and whose societies made sacrifices and besieged Apollo for aid in times of plague, so it seemed appropriate to continue that tradition in my own small way. Until the quarantine orders happened and the World Health Organization classified this coronavirus a pandemic, I thought of plagues as a thing firmly placed in history. Surely we have medical technology to handle a virus. We keep ourselves and our living spaces cleaner than the ancient people did, right? This pandemic has been a wake-up call to our fragility. Some of the symptoms that put one at risk of death from this virus, like asthma and heart problems, are frighteningly common. When I look at the people being laid off and the businesses struggle, it seems the economic system that holds our society together might even be more fragile than, our, than us humans. When I lit the scented candle on my newly arranged altar and watched the light dance over the statues of Apollo and Gaia, it struck me that they are probably indifferent to the struggle humanity and our economic system are currently going through. These primordial deities of earth and sun have seen many plagues and have seen countless societies collapse. It is not much of a stretch to think that some humans dying, or more importantly, the current economic system being slowed down would be a good thing for the earth. If Apollo costs, casts plagues on societies which have displeased him, I can think of many ways in which he, a pagan deity of nature, would be furious at our world economic system. I remain agnostic about the reality of the gods and do not believe that COVID-19 was loosed upon the earth by an angry Apollo, but it is an interesting thought experiment. One of the things I like most about ancient Greek paganism is the concept of hubris, which says that humanity should be careful not to become too arrogant in its goals and abilities. Greek myth is rife with examples of humans who aimed too high and were cast down by the fury of the gods. It is clear that this pandemic will lead, leave a uh, lasting psychological impact on our society, and it will likely bring numerous policy changes. My hope is that we go forward with a little more trepidation and an appreciation of the habit, havoc one small act of nature can bring. If we can learn from this situation and curb our hubris, then perhaps we can begin to tackle the climate crisis in a mindful way and build a stronger society. 
one that is not as fragile in times of crisis. In the meantime, in my practice, I am going to keep burning candles and incense to Apollo the healer. All right, uh, another article written by Scarlett Magdalene is Survive Now, Thrive Later, Meditations with Hakate on COVID-19, written April 3rd of this year. It says, every night I do a devotional to Hakate. Sometimes I pause to meditate to see if there are any messages she has to send me or anything I need to pray to her specifically for. The messages in question tend to be more like quiet realizations, but on rare occasions, I get some strong feelings, ideas, or even images. A little over a week ago, I did my usual meditation on the triple form of Hakate, but what I got was a very different image. The face of hers that turned to my right was a skull, the one facing left was that of a hound. Her main head directly faced mine, and her expression was very somber. In ancient times, they told tales of hounds accompanying Hakate in the underworld. She is a goddess of the restless dead. The restless dead are increasing in number. We live in unprecedented times in the oft-repeated phrase, but this is the reality in the age of COVID-19. We are facing an ancient a historic event and a very bad one at that. The United States government alone says that if total mitigation is done, we could be lucky enough to have only 240,000 people die. The worst case scenario is in the millions. In this country, we have the terrible, terrible combination of a societal love of rugged individualism combined with privatized healthcare. For a pandemic, this spells disaster. Not everyone is acting in the best interests of others. In short, people's short-sightedness is literally killing others. Not everyone is taking this seriously. I personally know someone who tested positive for the coronavirus, but is still going out with his boyfriend and friends. This is how the virus continues to spread, and we are all in danger. Meanwhile, we're losing at least 1,000 people to COVID-19 in a single day. When this is over, we're going to lose a lot of people. Some of us already have. Survive now, thrive later. For many of us, this is a very, very bitter pill to swallow, but a wake-up call is coming. It is time to survive and only that. Thriving will come much later, provided that we are fortunate enough to be able to do so. What does this mean? It means making do with the bare necessities and being mindful of how you go about your day, and if you are fortunate enough to have a job that allows you to do so, Stay at home and only leave if absolutely necessary. And if you do, take appropriate precautions. This means no movies, no hairdresser appointments, no bar outings with friends, and no parties. This isn't a snow day. We are not on vacation or holiday. If you have the luxury of getting bored versus getting permanent lung damage, be grateful. Be kind to yourself as well as others and we're all in this together. You're allowed to be angry, stressed, frustrated, or mourn the events that have been either canceled or postponed due to the global pandemic. I have a birthday coming up and several major social events and travel plans that are now dead. Yes, it bothers me. Yes, I am sad about this. These emotions are valid and I'm entitled to them. You are too. Others are in the same boat, so remember that when you interact with people, be kind. We are all facing the same battle. Lend support when you're able and don't be afraid to reach out to others when you need it. 
Being kind means physically distancing. Now, yes, even your immediate family, I had to call my parents on the phone and explain to them why I can't see them for the foreseeable future. That if for some reason I am asymptomatic carrier of the coronavirus and give it to one or both of them, they will wind up in the hospital and die alone. I will be unable to be with them during their final moments since hospitals aren't allowing visitors. And that, while it would absolutely be devastating to lose either one of them or both of them under ordinary circumstances, that under these conditions it would be even worse. That was This was not a pleasant conversation to have. I almost broke down in tears several times, but they understood. My dad is the absolute highest risk category and my mom is in the age category where it can do the most harm. I myself am high risk due to asthma. Love sometimes means doing things you don't want to do now in order for there to be a future later. The future is uncertain. And those of us who will be, who, those of us who will be there will be guarded and fearful. I don't know when I'll ever feel comfortable enough to return to normal activities, nor do I trust that trust as to when I can. The CDC is filled with mixed or even wrong messaging to the point where even medical professionals are forced to guard and go against their current standards. Doctors and nurses are filming their statements on how they on how if they wear masks, they will be fired. Doctors and nurses are dying due to lack of protection and proper equipment. We are losing the very people we need to keep us alive. How will this world look when this is over? How will I truly know when to give how untrustworthy my government and the information has been on when it's safe and when to return to normal? What will normal be when this is done? When will this be done? Will it ever be done? I can't answer that, and what comes to mind terrifies me. All I can say with certainty is that there will be no normal like there was before. What can we do? Survive now, thrive later. Embrace Zoom and other methods of long-distance face-to-face communication. Talk with others on how ideas to get essentials delivered to your house. If you have to go to the grocery store due to lack of options, use the proper care. Listen to the medical professionals on this and please take it seriously. Take the time out for your mental and emotional health and recognize that we are all in this for the long haul. We have no other choice. These are the times we are living in. If you need it, reach out to a professional. We need to survive. We need as many of us to survive as we can. Gods be with us all, and may Hecate the torchbearer guide us toward embracing this as much as we need to and show you just how much you're capable of. May Asclepios and Hygieia, as well as Apollo the physician, look upon you with favor, and may Hermes grant you luck and fortune in your darkest hour. Best of luck and best of wishes. All right, that is our episode for today. I hope that everyone is doing well and safe and healthy. Blessings to you. Namaste.